Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Joshua chapter 19, subtitle, Joshua, a model of humility. In chapter 17, 18, he's been, if you will, divvying up the land. They've gone to the promised land, conquered the promised land, still some minor skirmishes to be made, but he is dividing up a land, the land among the 12 tribes. And we get to the end of that division at the end of chapter 19, in verse number 49, it says this, When they had made an end of dividing the land for an inheritance by their coast, the children of Israel gave an inheritance to Joshua, the son of Nun, among them. When they had made an end of dividing the land, they gave an inheritance to Joshua. He was last. This is the great leader. This is the man that got it right from the beginning when they went and spied out the land. Him and one other came back and said, we can go do this. And the others were a bunch of naysayers. And yet he stuck with the Lord through thick and thin. He's led the people, done a great job. And he's, you would have thought maybe he would get his portion first. You might have thought most people would expect to get their portion first. But this man gets his portion last. And it says in verses 50 and 51, According to the word of the Lord, they gave him the city which he asked, even Timnathsera and Mount Ephraim, and he built the city and dwelt therein. These are the inheritances which Eliezer the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel divided for an inheritance by Lot and Shiloh before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So they made an end of dividing the country. So at the end of chapter 19... That is the end of the narrative where they are dividing up the country. And I think it's a beautiful illustration of a man who could have thought himself something, rather waiting to last to get his inheritance. We're going to be talking about humility tonight. Let me begin with a quote. This is a quote that I read in the sports section. This person said this, I didn't feel sorry for any of them. I hope they're all crying. I hope they're all slobbering. I hope their girlfriends broke up with them. Everything. No, I don't care about them at all. Did anybody see this quote? It was, uh, I think I got this off of ESPN. This was said by a man named, or a student, Cash Daniel. He's a linebacker for the University of Kentucky who played, who played Mississippi State this past Saturday. And Mississippi State was highly ranked, and Kentucky wasn't, and Kentucky upset them. And so after the game, the University of Kentucky linebacker, who was on the winning side, said this. I didn't feel sorry for any of them. I hope they're all crying. I hope they all, they're all slobbering. I hope their girlfriends broke up with them. Everything. No, I don't care about them at all. Now, I understand competition. But I know that most people realize that you want to be both a gracious winner and a gracious loser. That's the way it has been 
for decades in our country. But this country is growing more and more coarse, and you're hearing more and more talk like this. And I think this quote reflects a total lack of humility. Not only a total lack of class and a total lack of grace, but a total lack of humility. Now, what do you think about this? Do you admire this young man? And if not, why why not? Just think about it to yourself. Do you respect this young man? No. Would you want to work with this young man or for this young man if he was your boss? I would think not. Would you want him to be an influence on your children? There's a reason the Lord promotes humility. And there's problems when people lack it. There is nothing for the sensible person. There is nothing here in this young man's statement that makes you feel good about him. Now, compare that to Joshua. As a leader of Israel... He gets his inheritance of the promised land last. Again, look just at verse number 49 this time. When they had made an end of dividing the land for an inheritance by their coast, the children of Israel gave an inheritance to Joshua, the son of Nun, among them. And all indications are he was quite patient. He was quite content. And it doesn't say it, but knowing the character of this man, I would think he was quite thankful for the land that he got. Now, what do you think of that young man? What do you think of him? Do you admire him, Joshua? Do do you respect him? Yes. You see, whatever God says is good is good. And we know what is good because God has said it. And we know what is bad because God says We know that the attitude and the words of that linebacker, we just know that it's bad. And even some lost people know that it's bad, but we know why it's bad. Anything that reflects God's character, God's word, is good. And anything that is contrary to God's character, God's word, is bad. So even some people in the world would know it's bad, but they don't know why it's bad. We know why that's bad. Because that does not, that, that pride, that, that arrogance, that, that anger does not reflect the word of God. It does not reflect the character of God. But back to Joshua, the fact that he waited to last, it's like, wow, that's good. You admire him, you respect him. Would you want to work for a guy like Joshua or work with a person like Joshua? Yes, you would. Would you want him to influence your children? Absolutely. It it really isn't surprising that there seem to be more and more people who don't see the value and the importance in humility. More and more people think that it's okay, it's even good to assert yourself, to pull down on the guy above you and trash him and kick those down below you and deny them what you want for yourself. This isn't anything new, this this propensity for pride and this disdain for humility. 
There was a famous Scottish philosopher that lived in the 1700s, mind you. His name was David Hume, Scottish philosopher. And he addressed this issue of humility. And by the way, as you might expect here, he was an atheist. So he's not going to think right. And let me share with you some quotes from this man. This is a, a, a Scottish philosopher atheist. He says, and I quote, celibacy, fasting, penance. Now he's referring to Catholics, but he, uh, Catholic priests in particular. But he's talking about humility in general, and you will see that. Celibacy, fasting, penance, mortification, self-denial, humility, silence, solitude, and the whole train of monkish virtues. For what reason are they everywhere rejected by men of sense? Okay, are you following him here? He's talking about, let's forget about the celibacy part and penance and all of that. Let's just talk about self-denial, humility, those aspects that he is including here. He says, men of sense, he says, reject that idea of humility. But because they serve to no manner of purpose, neither advance a man's fortune in the world, nor render him a more valuable member of society, neither qualify him for the entertainment of company, nor increase his power of self-enjoyment. I mean, he's attacking the idea of modesty, of humility. He is condemning it. And I would expect worldly people to do just that. Why would they think otherwise? He also said, we justly, therefore, transfer them, the idea of humility, modesty, Transfer them to the opposite column and place them in the catalog of vices. He says, these aren't virtues, being humble. He says, these are vices. So, there are people that don't demonstrate humility all around us today, and it seems to be ever-increasing numbers. More and more people take pride in the fact of saying things like, you know, I gave him a piece of my mind. I don't back down from anybody. You know, I'll stand up to anybody, and everybody's going to know how I feel. We're seeing and hearing more and more of that, the total lack of humility. I found it very interesting that I went to a website, a secular website, Psychology Today, very much a secular website, but they, they understand that humility isn't a vice. So even lost people can get it. They're more often than not going to get it wrong, but those who are objective, like a scientist or someone in the, in the science field, if they're going to examine it, and if they're going to examine it uh, objectively, they're going to realize that there is value in humility, even the secular world. Because there is. Why? Because God says so. They may not attribute the blessings of it to God, but if you're smart and you're open-minded and you do the research and you can be objective about what you find out, then you're going to conclude that humility is in fact a virtue and very valuable. Let me share with you some, some quotes from uh, this article. They come to the conclusion, a secular organization. Recent studies show that humility is connected with many forms of 
pro-social behavior. The humble person keeps her accomplishments, gifts, and talents in a proper perspective. She has a self-knowledge and is aware of her limitations as an individual and as human beings. Article goes on to say, But humble individuals are also oriented towards others. They value the welfare of other people and have the ability to forget themselves as well when appropriate. Interestingly, the empirical research... Now, this is where it's different than Hume. Hume, just as a philosopher, says, I don't see any value in in, uh, humility. These folks, being scientists of sorts, you know, do the research and they find out, well... You know, personally, we might not see any value to humility, but the research indicates otherwise. Interestingly, the empirical research on humility shows that this trait has great, this is their terminology, great value. Humility has been linked with better academic performance, job performance, and excellence in leadership. They go on to say, humble people have better social relationships, avoid deception in their social interactions, and they tend to be forgiving, grateful, and cooperative. A recent set of studies, see, they're studying it, also show that humility is a consistent predictor of generosity. They go on to say, humility can advance one's fortune in the world, can advance one's fortune in the world, as it is a distinguishing trait of CEOs of successful organizations. The connection between humility and generosity shows that it does render one more valuable, a more valuable member of society. And then lastly from this article, given its appropriateness for us as limited and fallible human beings, I almost sounds spiritual there, and its value for both individual flourishing and social welfare, humility, they say, is a trait worth cultivating. Why does psychology today get it right? Because they are recognizing the truth of a very important, a very important biblical, scriptural principle. If there's one thing that scripture teaches, it is humility. And a lot of people will teach you, a lot of theologians believe, that it is the basis and the bedrock for all other virtues. You start with humility because if you lack humility, you will never develop all the other biblical virtues. The Bible teaches this. James 4, 6. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to who? Well, it's not the proud. He gives grace to the humble. James four ten, Again, emphasis by God. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Matthew twenty three twelve, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Down in the Old Testament, Proverbs 15.33, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. 
That is a major theme of Scripture. It is repeated multiple times through Scripture. Our God, who loves us, is emphasizing to us in Mayo tonight the importance of humility. And is emphasizing the destructive nature and power of pride. Joshua, remember, is thought of by most theologians as being an Old Testament type of Jesus. And Jesus was certainly humble, and we see that demonstrated in Joshua. Again, look at verse number 49. And when they had made an end of dividing the land for an inheritance by their coast, the children of Israel gave an inheritance to Joshua, the son of Nun, among them. How would you define And it's hard to do. Trying to find a good definition of humility is hard to do. Uh, I found this. When someone is humble, they're focused on God and others, not self. Even their focus on others is out of a desire to love and glorify God. Simply stated, a humble person's goal is to elevate God and encourage others. I think a simple definition of humility is a person who puts God and others first. A humble person is simply somebody who puts God first. It's not my will, Lord, whatever you say. You say I shouldn't listen to that music? I'm not going to listen to that music. You say I shouldn't dress that way? I won't dress that way. A proud person will say, I know what the Bible says, but... A humble person says, you know, Lord, whatever you say. Whatever, whatever your will is. A humble person puts God first, and a humble person simply puts others first. You know, you go first. I'll go second. Why is it important that humility be really at the core of who we are as Christians? And I think that's what the Bible emphasizes. That for us to begin to grow as Christians, to experience uh, the grace of God as Christians, to begin, you've got to be humble. You, you've got to show humility. Now, we're all, as sinners, naturally prone to want to be first. We want to be made over. We want to be in first class and everybody else be in second class. And that's the way the world sees it, but that's not how God sees it. It is important that we resist the temptations to put ourselves first and to put God and others second. Why? Let me give you three reasons. We're done. We must be humble if we desire to be like Jesus. If Jesus is our model, then our desire should be to be humble as he was humble. Philippians 2.5 Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of 
the cross. It's hard not to want to put yourself first. It's hard when we don't get the recognition that we thought that we deserved. But we need to resist that temptation and realize that if we're going to be humble, we, we must be humble like Jesus was humble. This quote says, After the humbling of incarnation, Jesus further humbled himself and that he did not demand normal human rights, but subjected himself to persecution and suffering at the hands of unbelievers. If you lift yourself up, you're going to be abased. But if you humble yourself, God will lift you up. And Jesus humbled himself to God's will. And it was hard, but he humbled himself. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. We must be humble if we desire to be like Jesus. We've got to resist the temptation to want to have our way. To want to be recognized. To want to have the last word. Number two. We must be humble because God resists the proud. James 4, 6, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Of everything we're saying tonight, I think this point number two is, is the most important. We have to realize that when we are proud, God's going to resist us. I don't know about you, but life is hard enough as it is when you're in the center of God's will. The idea of telling God, you know, I don't feel like it. I'm not going to do it. You know, people are going to laugh at me. That's just pride. God's going to resist you. And how many times have we seen life get really hard for people who just resist God? No, I'm not going to listen to the Bible. I'm not going to read the Bible. I'm not going to listen to the pastor. I'm going to find fault with the Bible. I don't even know if that's true. And the pastor, don't care for him. You know, my wife, my husband, they just nag me. I'm going to do what I want to do. And watch, invariably, they get more and more miserable. And especially if they're just a backslidden child of God. He resists the proud. He can make life miserable. And I go out into the laboratory of life and I look at those folks who claim to be Christians and yet, I don't need to go to church. And if my wife doesn't like me, well, that's just too bad. Or if my husband doesn't like me, that's just too bad. I mean, that's just pride. And you look at how miserable those people become because you are, it's one thing to live in sin, but I mean, to live in defiance. And that's, that's, what, that's what pride is. Listen to this. This is a very sobering quote right here. Other sins are more hateful to men because they bring disgrace and have more baseness in them. Whereas pride seems to have a kind of bravery in it. But the Lord hates it because it is a sin that sets itself most against Him. Other sins are against God's laws. This is against his being and sovereignty. Pride not only withdraws the heart from God, but lifts it up against God. 
It's one thing to accept the grace of God and be saved and then turn around and start telling God how it's going to be. That's why it's so important for us to be humble. That's why cover to cover the Bible stresses humility. That's why that's that's the major trait that Jesus showed us while he was here on this earth. But number three, we must be humble to receive more grace from God. When you live in pride and you're not humble, you're living in defiance of God. But when you show humility, you're going to receive the grace of God. But he giveth more grace, James 4 says. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. You think about the people in your life. And think about the one that's defiant. He or she doesn't listen to your counsel. He or she will find every excuse in the world not to come to church. And he or she will demonstrate most often a miserable life. But show me the person that demonstrates humility. Who you come to them with a problem and they say, thank you for showing that to me. I had no idea I was doing that. I am so embarrassed. Please forgive me. You know, they're not defiant to you or any authority. They're humble. Say, I am so, I will work on that. Thank you. Thank you a million for, for telling me that. The, the person that says, I love coming to church. I love going to Sunday school. Got their Bibles open, taking notes, eating it up. Can't wait for next Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. People have invited them to come do something else on a Tuesday night. But no, 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 this, this, is, this is important. You check those people out. Check out their countenance. See if those humble people are not at the same time the sweetest people, most content people on the face of the earth. We experience God's grace when we get saved. We get more of God's grace when we are humble. Humility in a Christian, humility in a Christian gets rid of self. You know, self rises, it exposes itself in pride. Humility empties yourself of pride and it fills you, it creates a vacuum. And that vacuum then is filled with the grace of God. I mean, if you're just eating up inside or someone you know is eating up inside with pride, I'm going to do it my way and it's my way or the highway, they're just filled with self. A humble person empties themselves of self and they are therefore filled with God's grace. And just look around the laboratory of life at those humble people. And most often than not, they're the ones with the greatest peace, the greatest joy. They don't have to be first. They don't have to be recognized. They don't have to have certain conditions laid down before they participate. Sure, I'll be there. Sure, I'll show up. Here's a great quote. The humble, deeply conscious of their sinfulness and need, gladly acknowledge their dependence on God and rest in his all-sufficiency. Like empty vessels, they are ready to receive his grace. And his help goes far beyond anything they deserve or can rightly expect. And as a result, you get God's grace. God's grace is simply his favor. 
Favor when it comes to making hard decisions. Favor that comes in handling trials. Favor that comes in helping you avoid mistakes. Favor that comes in helping you conquer temptations. Humility is the bedrock, as so many theologians say, of all other virtues. If you lack humility, if you're not putting God first, and if you're not putting others first, you're going to be a miserable individual. So the question, as, as we close tonight, very basic question, okay, we, we tend to, as human beings, want to be filled with pride. We know that because the Lord says so much about humility. I mean, if it was easy, he would just mention it one time, be humble. Okay, we got it. But no, he's mentioning it over and over again. Why? Because it's a real problem with people. So how can we develop humility? Let me share with you three verses. There are others, but I want you to see if you see a pattern here that would suggest how we develop humility. Matthew 18, 4. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Okay? James 4.10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Okay? 1 Peter 5.6. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Anybody see the pattern there? In developing humility? Pretty simple. I'm sure you do. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. Make it happen. That's what it says. Whoso therefore shall humble himself. James 4.10. Humble yourselves. 1 Peter 5.6. Humble yourselves. Hearing a message on this simply means we do that. How do you do that? Well, I think it's, I think it's pretty simple because that's basically the instructions right there. I, I think it just common sense would break it down into three things. Anybody that's been a Christian for any length of time. Number one, acknowledge your propensity for pride. Just acknowledge your propensity for pride. That you struggle in that area that you get your feelings hurt real easy when people don't do things your way and on your timetable and according to your plans. And if you're not recognized, you're not going back, recognize your propensity for pride. Number two, ask God to forgive you of your pride. You you can't change what you won't acknowledge. So number one, you have to acknowledge it. That you have this propensity. So number two, you ask God to forgive you of your pride. Say, Lord, forgive me. I get upset too easily when my feelings get hurt, things don't go my way, and I'm always blaming other people or this, that, and the other. And then number three, act to put God and others first and yourself last. Start living it. Start living what you know you're supposed to do. Put God first. If God's word says this is the way you ought to dress, then you're going to dress that way. It don't matter whether other people understand it, whether other people laugh at you or not. You know, when God says be modest, you're going to be modest. Doesn't matter what the trends are. Doesn't matter what everything else is wearing. If you do anything other than what he says, you are acting in pride. I know better. You're acting in willful defiance. And remember, 
life can get really hard. Act to put God and others first. Be happy to be the last one in line. I mean, when you see a line forming, usually it shows human nature. Everybody's rushing to be first. Everybody's rushing, and, and, and the ones that are at the front, they're tussling about who's first, and they're all aggravated and whatever, whereas the humble person just walks at the back and says, I'm good, right here. The others up there are fighting, and you know that's what their life is all about, tension and whatever. It's all pride. And the one in the back is saying, well, I'll get in, but I don't have to be first. Be willing to be last in line. Be willing to clean up when everybody else leaves. Let the others on this is a hard one, fellas. This is a hard one. Let others get the dessert first. You can do it. You can do it. it. May take the grace of God, but you can do it. Just simple things like that. Just start living humility. Putting others first. Putting God first. That's, that's a humble person. And we'll close with this quote. And this is referring back to a degree to Sunday afternoon, talking about Jesus. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. You know, to say, oh, poor me, you know, I, I'm just a humble, meek spirit. You know, I'm just a wallflower. I don't want anybody to notice me. Well, guess what? You're calling attention to yourself. That's pride. So th- this really sums it up pretty well, this quote. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. And because of our human nature, that's something that can be challenging for us. But we need to know that God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's word. If you have any questions about Mile Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.